Welcome to 80sography, a deep dive into the musical haven forward slash heaven of 80s land with episode 2 of Elton John. We've had the prequel years, the phantom 80s Elton, and now we are reaching the true 80s Elton years, 1983 to 1985, where the Elton strikes back. Let's continue. Now we get to the fourth album of the 80s. There's a real sense of back to basics here, and also moving in a new direction. This is really the first 80s Elton album. It's also the first full album of lyrics of Bernie since 1976. Hi, I'm Bernie Torben. He returns with the old band, again for the first time since the 70s. Davey Johnston on guitar, Dee Murray on bass, and Neil Olsen on drums. And Chris Thomas has returned to produce. songwriting uh, changed due to the fact he was writing songs on synthesizers for the first time which he said aided him especially in writing the more up-tempo tracks all the songs are written on synthesizer um, which for me the first time you know my biggest hang-up has been writing rock and roll songs I'm not very good at it because if you're a pianist it's a totally different concept to playing guitar it's very hard to write three chord songs on a piano so I can write ballads and complex songs but the, the fast songs I've ever written I've never really been entirely happy with that. They've either been too fast, too slow, and they've never been what I wanted. It was written and recorded in two weeks, and this was his, his best-selling album in the 80s, by far. This is actually incorrect. Although both Too Low For Zero and Sleeping With The Past were both platinum in the US of A, in the UK, Sleeping With The Past was triple platinum, and Too Low For Zero only platinum. 
therefore Sleeping With The Past was a vastly better selling album. Thank you. The cover, white cover, too low for zero, two, arrow down, number four, and a circle for zero. But let's just get into the album. You recorded too low for zero at Montserrat. First time I heard it, I thought there were five potential singles on there. Did you realize you had a winner? Yeah. Um, that was, the f- I really did. I mean, I was so proud of that album. I really f- felt that was the first album I'd done for a long, long time where it was a great, great album. I, I was happy with everything. And if, I said to my manager, I said, listen, if this one doesn't happen, I mean, I'm going to be, I, I will actually give up and become a greengrocer because it meant so much to me because I thought the songs were strong and the momentum there of coming with the band. And, and it really it only took about two weeks to record that album, written and recorded. And then Chris did a week's overdubs in LA and that was it. We still sit at separate tables And we sleep at different times And the warm wind in the palm trees Hasn't helped to change our minds It was the lure of the tropics That I thought might heal the scars Of a love burned out by silence in a marriage minus heart And I call the kids on the telephone Say there's something wrong out here It's July but it's cold as Christmas In the middle of the year The temperature's up to 95 But there's a winter look in your mother's eyes And to melt the Open track, Cold as Christmas. Backing vocals by Kiki D, there's just no getting rid of that woman. In itself is not particularly an opening track. I think it's the best album opener since the 70s. It's not, I say, it's not a conventional opening track, but it is a good song. Kind of sad lyric. Literal record company released this at Christmas, even though it's clearly set in July, even if it's in the brackets. Cold as Christmas, open brackets, in the middle of the year, close brackets. But it's a really nice song and it has a nice kind of subdued feel to it, understated. Elton would get less and less understated. He'd be very stated, if not overstated, as a decade continued. This is a really nice start to the album. It's a lovely song. Very nice. this playlist song. And did you think this folk will never win? Well, look at me, I'm coming back again. I got a taste of love in a simple way. And if you need to know while I'm still standing, you just fade away. Don't you know I... Better than I ever did Looking like a true survivor Feeling like a little kid And I'm still standing After all this time Thinking of the pieces of my life Without you on my mind I'm still standing yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still standing where everyone knows this song It's a mission statement returning to form It's exactly what was required ticks all the boxes musically and lyrically and this is kind of what was missing on the last three albums you've just got to compare this to the song like Dear John or Chasing the Crown which are okay songs but they're light years away from that kind of radio friendly up-tempo 80s pop hit that he needed and this is one of those examples of the, this being a direct result of him changing his writing style by writing on the synthesizers to write a different kind of pop song I mean ditching the piano would become problematic as the 80s progressed 
But for this and the next album in particular, it kind of gave him a new lease of life, especially with the faster numbers. I couldn't believe after researching this that this is the second single in the UK, because I always remembered this. This could be my Mandela effect moment. Now we're through the looking glass here, people. White is black, and black is white. It always seemed like this is the first single to be, and it's an obvious first single. I mean, why wouldn't it be the first single? Uh, in the USA it was, we only got to number 12, which is quite amazing when you bear in mind that the dirgy Empty Garden got to number 13 the year before. So that was hugely surprising to me. In the UK it was, I guess, that's why they call it the blues, it was the first single, and not this one. So I just always remember it as being this one first. So yeah, it's, it's a great pop song, you can't argue with it. And then there's the video. Incredibly cheesy, dated as hell, but you know what? It does a fucking brilliant job of selling the song. I mean, that is the job of the pop video. It is an advert for the song. It has one brief only, and that's to leave you with a better impression of the song at the end of the video that you had at the beginning. And I think of its kind, it's a masterpiece, and it packs so much into the three minutes and does exactly what it was designed to do, cheesy or not. You've said uh, that you were surprised that I'm Still Standing could be a hit single. Yeah, it was, everywhere. Helped, I'm sure, by Russell's video. Oh, listen, um, Russell was the only, for me, the video person. I mean, he's, uh, he did the Fox, and then he, Standing and Blues, which he did, we had to do them in three days because he was coming out here to do a, 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 feel, a feature film. And we had so many disasters with Standing. The first day, Russell fell in the sea with the camera, you know, thank you, know, great. So we literally had one day to do all the, the shoot. So the French kids who were on the, on the movie were great. Arlene Phillips got the dancing together. We got up at five, everybody got up at five, and we did the shoot through till four in the morning, and it came across. And yeah, everybody mentioned that more than the song. I mean, everyone used to say, my God, have you seen the video? So we just watched I'm Still Standing by Elton John. Did you like that song? Yeah. Do you remember that song from anything else? Yeah. Where? And, um, um, and... Was it that man that sang it the time you saw it, or was it somebody else? It was Moon. It was a moon? No, it was called Moon. Um, it was not actually a moon, it was um, um, a monkey singing. It was a monkey. Oh, it was that cartoon, wasn't it? Sing. Yes, yes. sing. And did you like that version better, or this version better? This version better. Why? Because I can watch it. Oh, okay. But you could watch that one as well, couldn't you? Because you saw the gorilla sing, didn't you? But I like only a person sing. And I don't really like the voice of the gorilla. Okay. And did you like the dancing? Yeah. Were there any bits you didn't like in the video? No. No bits. So what would you give the song out of ten if you had to rate it out of ten? A ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Yeah, it's a playlist song, obviously. Sleep. I'm too loud for zero. 
Quite rare for Elton. Um, it's an atmospheric song with a bit of production to it. It's a real feel song. He doesn't do many feel songs, and you have to hear this to realise how little production there usually is on Elton songs. They're very even the overproduced 80s, where there's an over reliance of synths, but the actual arrangement is very. It's piano, bass, drums, guitar. There's not a lot of effects or sounds or, or a creation of atmosphere like you have with this song. And this song kind of basically finishes the perfect one two three opening to this album you've got a classy opener you've got a bouncy rocking hit single and the atmospheric title track and i would argue this is the best opening three of any elton album it's a song that almost edges six minutes but doesn't outstay its welcome i really like this one it's a real nice feel to it and he's writing songs on synths but the opening three shows the piano is still very much the focal point and that's why this album works as a whole because the piano is still winning the synth battle and it will start to lose out as time goes on. But yeah, it's a playlist song, it has to be. Hearing it still, I'm very happy with it. There's one track on it that I think now could be replaced, which is Religion. He got drunk, but he don't remember that he'd been drinking in a bar downtown. Well, he thought he heard a choir of angels singing in the tiki lounge. And that's when he got religion from no salesman. Religion! Elton does religion again. We've had Gary Osborne's take on religion. And now it's time for Bernie's. Now, here's where I have an inherent problem with Bernie Taupin and by extension with Elton John as an artist. Bear with me. This lyric, while technically better written than Gaz Oz's, is, uh, is as bland, if not dare I say it, blander than Gary Osborne's lyric for Dear God of 21 and 33. And this is what's interesting, Elton wanted him to go further and be more critical of religion, but an organized religion in particular, but, but Bernie refused. And that should be the way around. As someone who articulates thoughts, emotions, and ideas into words, Bernie should be going further than Elton feels more comfortable with. He's pulling all his punches here. But it's a pretty bland lyric. It has nothing to really say about religion. And that's why there is a disconnect for me with Elton's music, because lyrically, it's not from the heart. And this song is a prime example of where I would much prefer a shittily written lyric that adds something real to say, i.e. from Elton himself. Even if it's badly worded, didn't scan, simplistic if it's heartfelt, it would be more real. He has nothing to say, and it should be worth more than two verses, this subject, you'd have thought. Yeah, it mmms the last chorus. No, this one, this one, yeah. It's the side down a bit, the side one. Go! 
Don't wish it away Don't look at it like it's forever Between you and me I could honestly say That things can only get better say about this song um, this is such an evocative song for me everyone has their own year zero for music a year where you become like, musically awakened almost use the dreaded woke term which I hate mine was 1981 that was my I remember music before 1981 but that's the most resonant year for music where I really became aware of music and of artists but 1983 was a big year as well that was a big album year because I remember the albums of that year a lot uh, this one An Innocent Man Pipes of Peace Quartet by Ultravox these are all albums of the time and by Having Complete Madness that was a big album for me and this song was a huge one I remember having the single, maybe my brother bought the single. It takes me right back to being a kid. But I'm also confident this is actually a brilliantly written song and that loving it is not just some affectation of youth. The rolling like thunder under the covers, I remember knowing what it meant without knowing what it meant. Because I was, I was 11 and I kind of still feel the same way about that. kind of know what it means without knowing the specifics. And of course, every song in the early to mid 80s had a Stevie Wonder harmonica solo.
Seriously, is there anything more life-affirming and joyous than the Stevie Wonder harmonica solo? That and Nile Rodgers' guitar. And decide why. machine since 80s Elton has truly arrived. Elton had a young boyfriend in the early 80s, Gary Clark, that was the inspiration seemingly for at least the titles of Blue Eyes Chloe and Crystal, or supposedly pet names he had for him. Crystal this has the feel of a demo because basically that's what it is. The version with real drums did not capture the feel of the drum machine so it went back to the original version. It sticks out a bit for this reason, it does sound a bit underproduced, but it's a nice tune. Keyboard solo is all over the place. Only two verses, so he has to repeat the second verse. Now, this thing I don't get, because Bernie was there when it was recorded. So when you recorded the album, you don't say, hey, Bernie, just write another verse, will you, mate? Come on, just, just not four lines. I mean, you're literally repeating the previous minute of music. The same verse lyrics and then the same chorus lyrics. It's exactly, you, might, you could literally just take the previous minute and just double up. Maybe they did that, maybe they didn't record it, he just cut and pasted it. You must just take it out and make it a four minute song. It's a five minute song, it doesn't need to be. There's a bit of the Elton's doo-doos there. <laughs> and of course, the O-trope. Oh, Goes a bit wonky at the end, but does lead nicely into the next track.
uh, one of his rockier songs. Surprised David Johnston didn't get the credit on this song. He got a, a co-write on, I guess that's why they call it the blues. Uh, this is one I liked as a kid. Not sure it's aged that well. There's not really a lot to it, but it's enjoyable enough. It passes the time quite nicely. I like the internal rhyme. And when she walked down the aisle, everybody smiled. And when he slipped on the ring, I knew everything. Surprised Bernie hadn't employed it more as it really aids a melody. I love an internal rhyme. It was a top 20 hit in the UK, so it kept the momentum going. O-trope. associated this as the shit track on the album always i've always thought of it that way it is the weakest but it's it's all right it's not terrible but it's not great as a middle eight though which is the first on the album it's the best part of the song Elton is good at middle eights when he's afforded the opportunity, but then again, aren't we all? Hanson, no. I was 30, I look like 50, but I feel like 63. Great device for a lyricist there, just put a random number in. You can't go wrong for a rhyme there. Look what you've done to me, I look like 63. My golden years are gone, I look like 61. Because of the things you do, I look like <laughs> are in decline I look like I'm 69 I think that's all of them but you got that shortcut way about you no one's gonna stay you down you cook much better on a lower flame you burn much better when the sun goes down But you ought to be ashamed I got your very best intentions Helping me along And if I ever fail to mention You were all my sensations Well, take Saint, one line review, perfectly serviceable ballad, incorrectly placed on album. Grow up 
Elton Trope it's a show tune just the last track uh, One More Arrow ending the album with two ballads a little strange maybe 80s Elton didn't think Whipping Boy strong enough to lead into this song uh, uses falsetto quite effectively here uh, not sure he's used his voice since the song but it's very affecting I find the song quite moving actually it's definitely an act two song in the catalogue musical of Elton's songs this when I was a kid I used to always hear this line As the fart game seems so dirty, and it always makes me laugh every time I hear this song. But I was 11, okay? I was I was young, right? And I'm, I'm much more mature now. Okay, maybe not. Life's a learning curve, eh? We're always learning. You're not learning, you're not living. It's a long road ahead. It's quite an, again, it's kind of subdued, touching song. Way to finish the album. It's one for the playlist. And the encoder is nice. This is a real return to form when it comes to the three C's, commercially, creatively, and critically. Uh, it was a platinum record, both in the US and the UK. So two top 20 hits in the US and two top 10 hits in the UK. First time he'd had that since Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, like 10 years earlier. So a real return to form. Up to number seven in the UK. It surprised me, only got that high. I would have thought it would be a top three album with two top five hits on it and it got to number 25 in the US like I said it did go platinum eventually it's on the charts for a long time this is a strong and unified album and I think it's my favorite of all of Elton's albums it's such an enjoyable album it's very easy listening in the best sense of the word I think Chris Thomas was a good producer for him tasteful I don't think it's a surprise that his worst album of the decade wasn't produced by him a four word review Reg really striking back play this song Five. 
What a potato. Well, never mind, dear. I mean, if your teeth aren't up to it, just have a suck at it. 1984. So we're already up to album number five of the 80s, and yet it's only... 1984. I can only imagine how invigorated E.T.S. Elton must have felt going back into the studios after the massive success of... It has the feel of Son of Too Low about it. It's very much cut from the same cloth. It's again produced by Chris Thomas. <laughs> and this classic band lineup straight from the If It Ain't Broke department. And for the last time, would he have Davey D and Nigel? <laughs> Almost forgot their names then, all playing together. That's playing. The cover, Shy Alton with brim of hat lowered, covering face. Didn't want to be seen. Uh, the cover of the Sad Song single showed him without the hat. This thinning hair. There are video interviews on YouTube where you can see the, um, the follically challenged state of Elton's head, if you should so desire. Pre-weave. It was originally titled Restless until he changed it, so it's not called Restless. What's it called? What's that? Breaking Hearts. Breaking. Oh, Breaking Hearts. Okay, yeah. Should we take a listen? Fuck off! Fair enough. So I get this synthesizer, which sounds like a guitar on some parts, and I can write three-chord songs all of a sudden. So bang goes the piano, there's no piano. Um, and on the new album, you'll probably see it coming out even more so. The, the up-tempo songs are even better. It's a hot summer night in the black of jungle It's a great opener, one of his best opening tracks, and probably the last time it was this energetic and angry sounding. Three verses, Bernie clearly has something to say here, one of his state of the world lyrics. It's a little slower than it needs to be, the live version on the bonus tracks you'll find for this album is even better. Up the O trope, ah! but it's a cracking start to the album. It's really, really good opening track. I like this a lot. Playlist song. He said, George, you got a couple of things to say. When you're my friend, and to a certain me, you seen you act this way. But my hands are tied, and I can only try to talk you out of a fall. Cause the reputation of the woman you date Is about as nasty as the Berlin Wall Slow down 
Slow down, Georgie. She's poison. Very atmospheric opening. Probably the best part of the song. Uh, the verse and the chorus don't really go together. They sound like two different songs that's been shoved together and you can kind of see the join. I've not heard this album in 25 years to give it some kind of context. Context is a plastic box with clasps on the side. Actually, I don't have a context. Forget about that. Uh, this is one I couldn't remember how it went before I listened to it. It's very forgettable as a song and it's a very disappointing track too. After a good strong opener, kind of loses some of its momentum here. And this album generally is, is an interesting snapshot into Bernie's view of women, which we'll get into later. This is a divorcee who's on the take. Don't trust this woman. Slow down, Georgie. She's poison. Lord knows the day will just get longer. The nights grow cold with you on my mind. I feel like a love jukebox playing the same song all the time. If these crazy dreams don't kill me, it's more than I Uh, who wears these shoes? Track three, Otrope. And these opening three tracks, it's a bit of a drop off from the opening gambit to Too Low. We have three strong tracks. It's got the strong opener, good opening track, and then you've got Slow Down Georgie, which is a bit meh. And then you've got this, which is okay, but it's distinctly average, except for this bit. I like this bit. Oh, Picks it up a bit, but it's almost a bit meh. It's the third single, top 20 hit in the US, but not sure it was a great choice for a UK single. There were better options. And we have to talk about the video. There was a period in the 80s where a lot of the established acts, the pre-80s acts coming into the 80s, had a bit of a makeover. And it'd be around this time period. It happened to Bruce Springsteen during the Born in the USA era. You can actually see in the videos for the songs, you can compare the video for I'm On Fire to the video for Glory Days, which is the last video he made for the album. And you can see how he's, he's been styled. He's got rid of the sideburns, he's had his, he's had his hair done, and he, he looks different. He looks... He's turned into an 80s pop star, and the same thing happened with the Billy Joel for the Innocent Man album. You compare the video for Pressure, Pressure! in 1982, to the one for, say, Tell Her About It in 1984, and he looks about 10 years younger in the uh, latter video. Again, lost the sideburns, hair styled, dressed nicely. And they've obviously had an attempt to do that with him for this video. He's wearing this wig, he's got a jacket. He looks kind of like Billy Joel, like he's trying to make him like Billy Joel. And it's just, it's just weird. It just doesn't look, he's not got the glasses, and it's just an odd look, and it's an odd video. So uh, check that out. But the song is just, uh, yeah, it's just okay. It's not not terrible, but it's just it's not it's not great. Parent corner 
Tell Her About It by William Joel was actually released in July of 1983 and not 1984. Shooby doo whoop, shooby doo whoop, doo wah. Thank you. always there in the thick of things I always had the heart of every woman on the string the danger zone shone from my eyes it seemed like every inch I gained became a mile it's not the night reaching in and touching me just the breaking hearts ain't what it used to be It seems that time has killed that those streaking me And breaking hearts ain't what it used to be It's not the light shining in and catching me It's just the breaking hearts ain't what it used to be but time has come and cast a spell on me and breaking hearts in what it used to be. No business I know. Show tune. This is such a show tune. Here Bernie shows the vulnerable side of the cad. Great title for a book that, The Vulnerable Side of the Cad. I'd buy that for a dollar. This is lovely and it's very out of place in this album. Very simple and has that classic Elton feel to it. And I'm not sure there's anywhere to go to after this. I think it belongs at the end of a side. It's a closer. The white bread backing vocals spoil the effect slightly, but this is a winner. It was the fourth single in the UK. I think it only got to like number 59 or something. And it's mostly remembered for being performed on the first Wogan when his... Um, chat show went daily and this is where terry slipped as he walked over at the end of the song i think uh, most people who watch that remember that <laughs> there was just one thing during that jane torville and christopher dean live <laughs> but this is a lovely song this is really really nice classy and uh the arrangement suits the song. It's really pared down, piano-based. This could have been mid to late 70s Alton. And this is a really good one. Playlist song. Refrigerator. Yeah, she cries acid rain. Another woman out to get ya. Aren't women awful? This is, this is quite harsh. She's calculated with the kiss of death. Got a digital mind. What does that mean? An expensive breath. She's an empty shell. You're a piece of meat. Just another statistic on a readout sheet. Ooh, women. So what do you think? Women, a mistake? Or did he do it to us on purpose? 
So ages burn seems to have two attitudes towards women in this period. There's the slow down Georgie Lil refrigerator, watch out for these heartless demon women. And then there's the other side, the since God invented girls, the kind of aren't girls great to look at kind of songs. This is only three and a half minutes long and it does that stay its welcome because there's no there there with this song. It's just it's just a bit of noise, really. It's a pretty pedestrian rocker. And it's not terrible. Like Whipping Boy wasn't terrible on Too Low for Zero. But it's just a bit average, and therefore it's the worst track on the album, according to me. End of stage one. Just for the sake of it, I mean, they want to... Record company, who are here tonight? Assholes. Um... <laughs> I mean that, they're a very good record company. They wanted me to make Christmas albums and, you know, <laughs> cover albums, Motown records, but that is so silly, you know. Um, I'll leave that to Rod Stewart and people like that. <laughs> Did I say that? Uh, <laughs> yes, you Have you said that? His album's doing much better than mine. <laughs> Assholes! Passenger who wanna get on, wanna get on, he wanna get on, wanna get on, he wanna get on. Passengers first track on side two has credit of John Torpin, Johnston, and Mackenzie. That's because it was based on a South African song from 1963 called Isontolizio. To be fair to Elton, he literally gave credit where credit's due. I love the wiki page for this. Uh, it says, quote, It has been suggested that Torpin's lyric has an anti-apartheid message, end quote. So bland and vague is a lyric you can't even tell. Burn! Uh, it's hard to buy the pro-South Africa anti-apartheid sentiment and this is like a year or so after he played Sun City. But I do believe, based on interviews he gave, his intentions were basically sincere. But I do wonder if he donated the money he earned to charity. I fluctuate on this song. Obviously loved this as a kid. It's the kind of song that a kid would like. Another funky 80s video. I was amazed to discover it wasn't directed by Russell Mulcahy. Mulcahy. Uh, who directed I'm Still Standing and other Elton John videos of the 80s. And pretty much every cheesy 80s video you can think of. And he directed some films as well. And it's very much in the same style. It's, it's, it could be like Son of I'm Still Standing. I think I like it. It's entertaining, albeit a little irritating like all earwormy songs are. And, it's, and Davy Johnston gets another co-write. He does pretty well actually. 
I mean, I wonder how much money he's made from his car rides. He's got, I guess that's why they call it the blues, this song. And then another single off the next album. So he did pretty good then. Behind the counter, she stares out the window. Up at the billboard, that's like a reminder in neon. She hates how she feels, but she hangs like a mirror. Maybe a stranger could walk in and see her in neon. For two cents of danger, she trusts anybody. Like a gun, if it meant she might wind up in me on the dreams and the light of a promise that dies. A shimmering city, a glimmer of a hope and a light. In me on the name's gone, there's no reason why anymore. Trust them and wind up alone. One line review, Elton Ballad by Numbers. Okay, but unmemorable. Next. It used to be a sweet sensation. No price too high for love. Now I pay for this bitter taste And the price is not enough Such cruel spot for your kicks Such hard knocks on my heart How long before the pain ends Tell me where living starts And love will live by burning buildings Burning Buildings, show tune. Everything about it is appealing. Everything the traffic will allow. And I know at some point I'm going to say Burning Bridges, because I just will. So here's the thing. I said I hadn't listened to this album in about 25 years. So I was kind of looking forward to listening to this. And I always had this perception of this and In Neon. Two ballads together, they're both kind of samey. They were indistinguishable from each other. They were both kind of just averagey ballads tucked in the middle of side two of an averagey album. But having listened to them both now, I was amazed to discover this song is an absolute gem. This is utterly brilliant. I love this song. This is classic Elton. It follows the sartorial eloquence template. It's got the piano intro. Good verse. It used to be a sweet sensation. Great bridge. Such spot for your kids. And then that killer chorus. And I believe by burning buildings. 
And it's my favourite track on the album. I think it's fantastic. This is a show tune. It's just buried towards the end of side two of the album. It should have been the third single. This is wonderful. Another Americanism. Burning. Burning. English burning. American. Burning. English burning. American. Burning. It's either American or West Country. Burning. Lovers leap off burning buildings, live our life on borrowed time. Every flame that ever moved you, touched your lips but never mine. They have to say it's an Americanism because you won't get fire with a West Country accent. Speaking of somebody from the West Country. <laughs> Albert Einstein had come from the West Country, you never would have heard about his theory. Oh, I got his theory I have. Are oh, you written equals MC squared I do? Oh, is that right Bertie? Oh, that's a good one. I like that. He's a smarter one, Bertie. He can count all the way up to 67 and up the stars, he can. I can only count up to 11. My wife 10, my sister 13. Get on with it! Track 9, Did He Shoot Her? Uh, this was another revelation. I kind of remembered this one as an okay song. I think this is great. I really like this one. The verse is inherently dramatic. It feels quite cinematic. Dramatic and cinematic. But this car could be systematic. Hydromatic. Ultramatic. It's one of his best verses of the 80s. And it's one of those rare songs, you don't get this very often, that it should have been longer. It's 3.17, and I think it needs more. You could add another minute to this song quite easily. The guitar solo, for example, should be double the length. But I really enjoy this one. Again, it's buried at the end of side two. That, my three favourite tracks of the album are the last three tracks, and that never happens. Certainly not in an 80s album. You front load. You have at least one of the big hits at the beginning. And the two big hit songs here are on side two. It's a playlist song.
Sad songs, open parenthesis, say so much, close parenthesis. The big hit everyone knows. It's a good song. And Elton has a tendency to shout his vocals. This is a prime example of that. Really shouted. You got the O trope. It's more like a woe than an O, but I'll still count it. Whoa. Uh, internal rhyme is my favorite part of the song. I like the way he stretches out the line. That's also part of like having to make the lyric scan to fit the melody, but it works well in this instance. He re-recorded this for a Sasson Jean commercial. Nice credible move there, H's Elton. And obviously, this this is a good song, it's a good version, but it pales into insignificance when compared to the majesty of the Des O'Connor version. Hello, this is my new album, Des O'Connor Now. 16 great songs I think you'll like. Yeah, playlist song, obviously, yeah. Obvs. Let me come round and I'll blow you away. So how did this album do? Well, the momentum continued on from Too Low for Zero. Two top 10 singles in the UK and two top 20 singles in the US. It was a number two RP in the UK. Not quite platinum, but a good seller. Only got to number 20 in the US, but it went platinum there. So things are continuing nicely for Elton. Excellent. Everything is going as planned. Uh, track listing again for this album, like we jump up, it's just not right. Breaking Hearts should be at the end, because there's nowhere you can go to after that. It's so unlike anything else in the album. Burning Bridge... <laughs> Burning Buildings... Shouldn't be buried on side two, and it shouldn't be next to another ballad. Uh, so here's my revised track listing for Breaking Hearts. Let's call this version Restless, okay? Side one, track one, Restless, two, Passengers, three, Burning Buildings buildings four who wears these shoes five lil refrigerator side two track one sad songs let's start with the hit two slow down georgie three in neon four did he shoot her five breaking hearts again you mixing up between ballads and you have tempo numbers you got your hit at the beginning of side one passengers i think is a good track two of side one i think that's a good again you stick your hit there burning buildings prime position track three side one lovely of all the albums i revisited for this i think this one was the biggest surprise because my perception of it over time has been this is quite an average disappointing follow-up to a great album and although it's not as good as too low for zero it's a good album i think there's nothing terrible on this album it's a very solid album with some real highlights on it this is a really really good album the four word review underrated peak 80s elton 
playlist songs. Five. 1985. So now we are slap bang in the middle of the 80s. The first act of 1985 was he released a single act of war, a duet with Millie Jackson. Originally, this was supposed to be a duet with Tina Turner. Who supposedly turned it down because she didn't like the negative lyrics. I think Tina's being a bit diplomatic here. I think it most likely was because the song isn't very good. It's a bit monotonous. But you can hear her singing this. That Americanism's there again, fight and fart. English fighting. American. English fighting. American. Uh, it's only got to number 32 in the UK. I assume it was released in the US. If it was, it didn't chart at all. Drums and bass provided by Mel Gaynor of Simple Minds and Dion Estes. At the time, was working with Wham. He's the one playing the bass in the I'm Your Man video. He's doing that proper bass funk strut at the end. I love that bit. It's like, that's what you want from an 80s bass player. Either that or the defiant chicken head strut. Allow the status quo bassist that's not Alan Lancaster. <laughs> not one of those. Yeah, I can't really, it's not going to make any sense if I'm doing it now. Don't know why I'm doing it now. Feels good though. I feel like I should be playing bass right now while I'm doing this. That's the 80s bass player move. I just knocked the microphone doing the bass strut chicken head strut like that I headbutted the microphone but yeah this is a bonus track on the cassette and CD of the album to follow and I can't imagine that would have been a bonus track if it had been a big hit it would have shoved it on the album but yeah it's not particularly good and that was released in June in July of course we had a live aid no let's fuck the address let's get the numbers <laughs> July 13th of live aid is a set list for live aid as I'm still standing Benny and the Jets rocket man don't go breaking my heart with Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me with George Michael and Can I Get a Witness. It's very, very astute of Elton to get a couple of duets in there to increase the number of songs he did. George Michael sings this alone as, as a suggestion that it was meant as a duet, but George kind of just took over. blame him that was his one song incidentally why didn't queen and bowie do under pressure i'm looking at the set list remembering it just looking it up for this david bowie followed queen it's one of those great should have been moments of pop they were both there why didn't they do under pressure could have would have should have and so we move on to album six of the 80s and we say goodbye to the rhythm section of dvd dozy mckintich the new musicians. Uh, various rhythm sections were used in this album. Gus Dudgeon was back in the producer's chair for the first time since Blue Moves in 1976, almost 10 years. So we had previously mentioned Mel Gaynor and Dion on two tracks. Dave Mattox and David Patton, Payton, Patton, formerly of Pilot. three tracks Charlie Morgan whose main claim to fame was he co-wrote the theme to the bill Sergeant take her away and book 
And Paul Westwood on two tracks. The Queen Rhythm section of Roger Taylor and John Deacon on one track. And one track with Pino Palladino. Pino Palladino. Pino Paladino. Album cover. I discovered while researching this that uh, this was taken. Either a picture was taken or this was still taken from a TV performance on a French show where he performed Who Wears These Shoes. I never realised until that. That's quite a cool thing to uncover. Uh, I guess the album covers are getting a bit lazy there. Just take it from a TV show, that'll do. There's a sense of that'll do us creeping in to 80s Elton. But let's get on with the album. opening track This Town so after that really good opening for the last two albums The Coldest Christmas from Too Low For Zero and Restless from Breaking Hearts this goes back to the previous standard set by early 80s Elton album openers this is quite average got Sister Sledge on back in vocals but not really given much chance to shine got one little bit here and the bit at the end really stutter And especially considering they'd had a hit with Frankie, a number one single earlier in that year. I'm surprised more wasn't made of them. Got irritating keyboard sound on this song. The horns are good. And for a lover of soul, he doesn't have the horn enough in his music. But the, yeah, the horns almost save his song, but it's a bit average. O-trope. Pressed on the window, shattered glass before their eyes. There's a mad dog barking in a burned out subway where the sniper sleeps at night. No birthday songs to sing again. Just bricks and stones To give them Wrap them up In your father's flags And let them cry to heaven No birthday song To sing again Track to cry to heaven Show tune I know. And we have the O-trope. Oh, do we have the O-trope in this song? Oh, 
Our ballads are a bit of an issue with this album, and it manages to be both dull and melodramatic at the same time, similar to another ballad later on in this album. That's quite a trick. Charlie Morgan on, on drums for this one. And the first track. And a Ken Russell video. I, I <laughs> implore you to check out the video for this song. Directed by the famous Ken Russell. The thing about it is, you nowadays you you get far more um, freedom in music videos than you do in in features. You because the concept's usually left to the director. Obviously, he has to it has to be approved by um, Alton in this case, and one works together with Alton. But uh, they want imagination, and in the cinema, you know, I mean, um, they seem to want less and less of it. And it's terrible, really. It's a really bad video. There's a bit where they got this kid, this toddler, and they got him in a studio, obviously, and they've superimposed tanks behind him. And you're supposed to be thinking, oh, this kid with tanks. And it's just, it's one of the funniest things. I've seen. It's just really terrible. It's really funny, terrible. It's just really bad. Yeah, check it out. It's funny. And I think Elton John is, is dressed up as a miner or something. Yeah, it's just, the song is dull. It just doesn't do anything for me, the song. It's just a bit of a dirge. Downbeat and dull and any other D words that come to mind. This is good soul pop from Matis Elton. Effortless like the best of his stuff. This was a bit of a revelation, this song. I kind of remember this as being like an okay song, having not listened to this album for quite a few years. And this one, while listening to this album the last few weeks, has, has really grown on me. This is my favourite track on the album. It's got another good bridge. I think bridges and middle eights are Elton's forte. It's just so often there's no scope in the lyrics to allow them. But this, to me, is the hook of the song. Bit of Dion here. I love a bit of Dion. And the horns again, they had something. O-trope. Yeah, this song's a real highlight of the album.
and Nikita, we all know this one, the big hit single. O-Trope. And Nick Kershaw on guitar. George Michael on backing vocals, really, really lovely. Inessential to the song, you could say. It's just on the outro, but they're really nice. Such a good vocalist. This should be cheesy, but it holds it well. I remember Elton saying in a later interview that he could write songs like this in his sleep and he was bored of them. But if you listen to his music over the last 25 years, I don't think he could write a song like this now. This kind of instant, effortless pop ballad. I don't think he's capable of it. I wish he would. Busy bass line, but it's not Dion, it's David Patton, Peyton Patton. Oh, ho, ho, it's magic. Uh, Nikita is a man's name in Russia, so maybe that's a bit of subversion from old Bernie, eh? Hey? Hi, I'm Bernie. Subversive. So open. See what he did there, that's quite clever. Video was directed by Ken Russell, it's a much better job. When I first did Nikita, I thought, my God, what's he going to do? But um, I was quite surprised, you know, he was... Uh, very, very sort of restrained. I mean, I would, I don't mind if you but he, I mean, no, he, he, his um, ideas were much more sober than I thought they would be, but it really worked out well. Especially the bit where he's cheering on Watford in his Tommy boots, it's a nice callback, I like that bit. The woman in the video, Anya, released a response song called Moscow Nights that is as bad as you could imagine. can't argue against this song, this is a playlist song, obviously. Too young. John Deacon and Roger Taylor from Queen are on this. It's a very perfunctory drum pattern, which I think I could play. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Uh, let's not get into the lyrics of this, because it's not open that quagmire. Who else but quagmire? He's I don't know if Bernie's writing from his or Elton's perspective. It's a suggestion, it's about one of Elton's younger boyfriends. Salacious corner. In the day, people in Elton's inner circle were used to refer to Elton's latest young boyfriends as elves, which stood for Elton's latest fuck. Language, Timothy. I don't know. I don't want to know. I can picture old Burn or whichever character is singing the song, Your Honour, shaking his fist. Damn you, you age of consent laws, like some Scooby-Doo villain. Blasted meddling kids. And it would have been mine if it hadn't been for those meddling kids. Yes, and I'd have gotten away with it too. It wasn't for these blasted kids and their dogs. Guitar solo sounds very Brian May, and I assume that's deliberate, bearing around the rhythm section of this song. Oh, trope. And decide why. 
Um, I hope that you get through the evening without anybody saying fuck, piss tanks, or bollocks. Nice too. First track aside, two wrapper up, hit single, and another vocal contribution from George Michael. But this is more of a duet, even though he's not credited on the single. I think without George Michael's vocals, it doesn't work. His part, his response, the call and response thing, his part is the hook of the song, really. I find myself singing it quite a lot. This is a fun song, but it's none more 80s than this. Uh, but that's a good thing, right? Right? Uh, Kiki D gets a reference and makes it to the video, just to get a custard pie in the face. This is 10 years exactly since Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Could Elton show any more contempt for her than this? Hi, is that Kiki? Yes, yeah, speaking. This is Elton John. Oh, Elton, hi. Uh, Elton John's assistant. Oh. Yeah, we're doing the promo for Wrap Her Up. Uh, wondering if you're free. Uh, let me just check my diary. Um, yes, I'm free for the rest of the 80s. But I just did backing vocals, it wasn't a duet. I did suggest it, but... Yeah, well, you are referenced in the song. Yes, between Joan Collins and Catherine Hepburn. Uh, I thought you could come down, you will be in shot for your bit. Oh, a close-up. Kind of. What do you want me to do? Uh, just, you know, the usual. Just, uh, just take a custard pie in the face. Okay. Oh, and if you give some of the crew a lift back to the hotel afterwards. You know, like last time. Okay. Thanks. According to differing reports, this is based on two things. One, it was a jam. That's why there's more than just Elton and Bernie credited. There's David Johnston, also Charlie Morgan, who played the drums, and the other guy who played bass. Also, the inspiration of this was Dream Baby by Roy Orbison. Oh, there. Princess Caroline of Monaco. Is that how it's pronounced? It's another one, isn't it? Yes, so claim before I played a gig with the Eagles in uh, Monaco. The rancid sexistness, almost a sexiness then. What's wrong with being sexy? I mean, there's no sexist. Of Bernie's lyrics. Beasts and beauties, but they all can dance. Beasts and beauties burns two definitions of women. It does take on a different air when it's sung by two gay men. Desexualizes the song and makes it more of a celebration of women, in a way wouldn't be if sung by two hetero males. It salvages the lyric really to an extent. Only to an extent. It's just six minutes long, possibly the longest song he did in the ages. I'm trying to think, is that the longest? Probably. Uh, and it would have been longer. There was a bit they cut out of the roll call of women's names at the end. Bella Emberg. Benrod Penry Pooch. John Merrick's mother. 
If it weren't from the Bell Stars, Caramel Bunny, Roger Taylor as a schoolgirl, Woman in the Street Convert Commercial, Mrs. Cash. Sola Lambda Miscalinus Rubbish. But yeah, this this was a borderline playlist song, so I really enjoyed this when I was younger. And yeah, I think the chorus is not quite there. It's a good song. I like it, but it's not quite a playlist song. Sorry. Satellite. Ooh, this was one that... Otrope, the starters. This is one, when I was listening to it, it came on. I thought, oh, this is the wrong song. This isn't one of my Elton songs from my playlist that I'm listening to. Not the playlist playlist, not atisography playlist. I mean... To the playlist of Elton songs while I was listening to them to research this. I thought, oh, I must have sneaked another song in because this is obviously not an Elton song. I don't remember this one. This one's a complete surprise. And then I realised, looking up, this was a different version. It's the longer version of the song that was on the original cassette and album. So it didn't have this kind of intro to it. Uh, this one was a bit of a surprise. Dion bass. I mean, Dion makes this song, really. This, this is quite nice, quite different, quite funky, quite soulful, quite... Uh, yeah, it has an atmosphere to it. I like this one. This makes the playlist. Thanks to Dion. Well, you come on like a comet Out there's in your head Stopping for affection Waiting to be fed Crazy like a full moon Eyes up and wide Taking in Papers say. Oh. I'd love to know Elton's opinion about the papers, about the press and the media. Bear in mind what he was going through and was to go through in the 80s, thanks to the sun. But Bernie's just the usual kind of cliched lyrics that don't really. Uh, just isn't. It's a non specificity to his lyrics that just. It's bland. They just have nothing to say really. It just uh, has a melody to match really.
Standing by the Pound, this is the one-line review, was a B-side to Cry to Heaven and should have stayed as just that. O-trope. That's still one line, right? Down the moon. Last track of the album. Outro. Get that in first. And Pino Palladino on bass. Pino Palladino. Apparently, this was written to be a Bond theme to A View to a Kill. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. That's putting it mildly, 007. Yeah, you can kind of hear it. The verse is good. Uh, the chorus doesn't work for me. Again, this is one of those dull, melodramatic songs. It was unmemorable then, and it's unmemorable now. It's a bit of a disappointing end to the album. Side 2 generally is, is kind of tails off, really. This album is kind of... There's a downward progression. The first three albums of the 80s were quite consistent. They weren't quite there, but they were okay. Then you've got this peak with Too Low for Zero. Breaking Hearts couldn't keep that momentum going. It, dipped a little bit but it was still good and this is dipped a little bit again and it's not as good we're getting out of four star territory to like three star territory it's an okay album but it's not particularly inspired So how did this album do? Well, it actually sold better in the UK than Breaking Hearts. It's got to number three and went platinum. In the US, it got to 97, yet was certified gold. Only in America could an album get to 97 and still sell over 500,000 copies. It took seven months to be certified, but it still made it. The singles, the Kita was the huge hit. Number three in the UK was the 28th best-selling single of the year, US number seven. Rapper Rap was a top 20 hit in the UK and the US. So this is maintaining the success, if not the quality control, and the downward trend was due to continue. Problem with Elton is he was just too prolific, with no ability or desire to edit himself. Imagine if he had given himself two years per album, instead of doing one, knocking one out every year. Imagine a combined Breaking Hearts, Ice on Fire. Oh wait a minute, I have. <laughs> I now present to you the album, this follow-up to 1983's I love In 1985 Hearts on Fire 
Track 1 Restless, Track 2 Passengers, Track 3 Nikita, Track 4 Soul Glove, Track 5 There It Is Burning Buildings, Track 6 Wrapper Up, Track 7 Satellite, Track 8 Sad Songs, Track 9 Diddy Shooter, Track 10 Breaking Hearts, That's a cracking album and a worthy follow up to. The Four Word Review, hey? More Ice Than Fire. Well, I love the songs. Three. So there's a few more bits of business to conclude same time as the release of Nikita and the Ice on Fire album, there was That's What Friends Are For, written by Burt Bacharach and Carol Bayer Sager, his wife at the time. Burt's not Elton's. Won two Grammys and raised three million dollars for AIDS research and, even though it was released in November 1985, turned out to be the best-selling single of 1986 in America. Yeah. Go figure. Actually, this is a cover of a Rod Stewart version done in 1982 for the film Night Shift, starring Michael Keaton. Keep smiles, keep shining, shining, knowing you can always count on me, for sure, that's what friends are for. Guess this really doesn't make it at all, it's a pretty terrible version. The Dion and Friends, Dion Warwick. Stevie Wonder, Gladys Knight and Elton. It's a cheesy, uh, very American mid-80s production from Burt. It's a nice song, it's a good song. And Elton holds his own amongst those great vocalists. I mean, Stevie Wonder's always magnificent. And Gladys Knight has to be one of the most underrated vocalists of all time. Got a great voice. That's a good song, that's a nice song. Is it a playlist song? I'm gonna say no. And Bernie was busy at this time also. He was writing songs uh, with Martin Page. Here's some facts about Martin Page. He co-wrote two number one singles with Bernie, This and These Dreams by Heart. He also co-wrote King of Wishful Thinking by Go West, it's on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. He was born in Southampton, was an apprentice at Southampton Football Club. Bernie got into music. He was in tight fit in the early 80s. He had a number 14 solo hit in the US with In the House of Stone and Light. He played keyboards on Ghostbusters. Is there any greater 80s claim to fame than that? Give this man a fucking blue plaque. Einstein. 
afraid of no ghosts. Ghostbusters. That keyboard riff. Ghostbusters. He co-wrote Somewhere Down the Crazy River with Robbie Robertson. Oh, this is sure stirring up some ghosts for me. He's also worked with Earth, Wind and Fire, Robbie Williams, Barbra Streisand, amongst others. What a guy. We built this city. Okay, so Blender Magazine voted this the worst song ever. In 2011, Rolling Stone had an online poll where it was voted the worst song of the 80s. And in 2016, GQ Magazine voted it the worst song of all time. <laughs> and I think a lot of this is due to the lyric more than the music. I actually think, I think it's great. I love this song. I love the tune. It's a terrible lyric. You've got to admit, it's, it's an awful lyric. It's one of, I mean, oh, I'm not big on Bernie's lyrics most of the time, but this is a particularly bad lyric. Marconi plays the mamba. That sounds to me like a placeholder lyric. When you're writing a song and you're making up any words to fit the melody, just to fill the melody up, you, you make up words like, oh, Marconi plays the mamba, listen to the radio. And that'll do for now. I'll rewrite that. But that's what you do when you're writing a lyric and a melody together, not if you're writing a lyric on its own. He would have just said, Marconi plays the mamba, that sounds good. And he writes it, that's a like Ringo then, didn't it? <laughs> Did he mean mambo for snake or marimba for the percussion instrument, like a xylophone? making up any random old bollocks as that'll do is this like a lyric that elton turned down uh so what's left i haven't covered b-sides in these episodes because there's just so much material with elton just from the albums and singles alone there's nine on a hundred odd tracks to cover in three episodes so there's a load a plethora first time i've used the word plethora thank you it's a great word plethora never get something like there's a plethora of, of non-album B-sides and singles from the first couple of albums. But one I will point out is this one, The Man Who Never Died, my favourite B-side by Elton, and a playlist song, Dislike Empty Garden, was another tribute to John Lennon and was recorded around the same time. But along the lines of Song for Guy, mainly instrumental with like one line at the end, which he sings. We call it a hybrid between the two. It's El Empty Garden meets song for guy it's really beautiful and it will play out this episode uh, next time we'll see us see out the 80s with sir reginald of dwight until then adieu sweet 80s I'm sure the first question that, ev that everybody would like to ask you is this. Funny name, Elton. <laughs> How did you come by it? 
Well, I used to be in a band, and uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to become a singer in my own right, and I, I wanted to choose a name, and the saxophone player in the band was called Elton, so I chose that name. Mm -hmm. Did you ever consider John Elton? <laughs> no. You, you didn't? No. Okay. Now, to the songs themselves, many of the lyrics were, of course, written by Bernie Taupin. Yes, that's right. Yes. Well, I'd like to talk about Bernie for a while, since obviously he's been an enormous influence on your career. Yes, he has, yes. Tell me, did you ever discuss changing his name? <laughs> because presumably Taupin Bernie would have been more consistent with your Elton John. Hi, I'm Taupin Bernie. Please review and give five-star rating on iTunes or Dad will make me listen to more of this music. Thanks. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still standing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.